Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Sports Beef. You've got Bill and Jeff are ready to go. Jeff, how are you? Not too bad, Bill. Not too bad. Ready to beef. Good man. Um, Jeff, you're not a f- particularly a fried chicken man, are you, when it comes to fast food? Mm, uh, now and again. Um, it could get problematic, but uh, where's this going? <laughs> well, thank your lucky stars you don't live in Britain, Jeff, because there's an acute chicken shortage right now, which has closed two-thirds of KFC's 900 restaurants. Right, right. What about Chicken Cottage? Chicken Cottage, I think, have a different chicken supplier, so they're all good, which Chicken Cottage being my local supplier. But uh, some of the tweets around this are hilarious. Someone in Bristol said it was basically the end of the world. (laughs) Right, yes, people are taking this uh, pretty... uh, I can't even think of the word. Parents are breaking promises to children, Jeff. That's how serious it's gotten. That's that's how serious. Well, it's good to know that whatever supply chains Chicken Cottage have and... I am always a little bit dubious about how many chicken cottages there can be on the one on one road in London, in particular. Uh, my, it's raised a lot of red flags as an anti-money laundering professional that such a, so many cash-intensive businesses can operate so close to each other and sell their product for such low price. I don't know what what you could be insinuating there at all, Jeff. That's uh... I, yeah. But I'm amazed on that same topic how many nail bars and nail salons can exist and uh, would never seem to have anybody in them. But that's uh, yeah. that's probably an unrelated point. Hey, in other news for everybody out there, we have had two new blog posts uh, published on our website, sportsbeef.net, since we last had a podcast. Um, one is on Joe Schmidt's conservative selection tendencies. And the other one on why Ireland hate Wales. Um, On the second one, Wales Online Simon Thomas has called it poor stuff. And Phil Phil BB called it a dreadful piece of writing using totally inappropriate language. (laughs) So with those ringing ringing endorsements, uh, why don't you head on over to the blog on sportsweef.net. And uh, and check those out. Um, I've been I've been through the ringer a little bit on Twitter today, Jeff. Head above the fire, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, what I've learned from today is that some people get their backs up when you use words like hate. Yeah, yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, in, like the meaning or the central message, even though the central message I think is quite complimentary. Uh, is uh, is distorted by the fact you hate me? What? It's like just yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else is going on? Watching much uh, Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang? Absolutely none. No, I watch that anyway. I see occasional references to it on Twitter, but I'm thinking zero interest in it. Uh, just glad to see that good, the great British taxpayers' money and. Lottery funding is being well spent on skeleton and luge and speed track skating rather than, say, maybe a massive participation sport like basketball. <laughs> um, I, I, I read a, co- a couple of stories have permeated the massive time difference between Pyeongchang and, and here. But um, one of them was the skin suits that uh, that bobsledders and losers and skeleton people are wearing for Team GB. 
that uh, other teams are complaining they're against the rules. And I'm just like, wait, wait a minute. Where have I heard this story before? It's like, have we, have we heard this at all in relation to a massively financial doped British sport <laughs> in, in any other circumstance? It's like, oh, there's a real trend going on here. You know, you, you definitely know you're, you've gone over the line when, I don't know, you're, the equipment that you're using is being pointed out as uh, being unfair. They just want those lovely, lovely medals. They just need to, they just need to, no matter how they get them, or no matter how little of a shit anybody gives about the sports, fucking 1,300 other days, uh, they just need, they need those, those, uh, they need those medals. And yeah. just, oh, speaking of wasting taxpayers' money, um, RTE have two people over there, two on-camera people. Uh, they have uh, Darren Frell uh, over in Pyeongchang. If I'm, I've, 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 I've murdered the pronunciation of that. Uh, probably uh, and Claire McNamara in in, in Korea covering uh, an Irish an Irish team of what would it be? Is it five? Is there five competitors from Ireland? I think there might be six, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Point taken. So I would say if depending on what kind of crew producer maybe they're maybe they're maybe they're filming their own stuff. Maybe they're sound they're doing sound for their own stuff. There's a good possibility that the RTE crew could be bigger than the amount of competitors. Yeah. So absolute fucking complete waste of taxpayers' money. At least the BBC didn't send over like Claire Balding and stuff, they're actually in the studio in London. I hope, I think, anyway, judge, judge a boy, but... So, yeah. um, my only, to answer that question, my only experience is obviously the production team that's behind Sports Beef, and I would say that you're you're probably about right. You know, there's a whole team of people behind the scenes that, uh, yeah. that you know, are required to broadcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, problematic media coverage, Jeff. We've had a couple of stories. Um Harry Redknapp talking about Harry Kane on TV3 Champions League coverage. Yeah. Yeah, I stumbled across this uh, after Spurs and 2 all draw with Juventus and um, presenter on TV3's name is case to me, Tommy something. That was a massive white race. He was, they were talking about, you know, Neil Lennon was on the panel as well. They were talking about Kane moving away from Tottenham this summer. Uh, <laughs> Harry was saying, no, no, no! I, I can't see Harry. I can't see Harry Kane moving. No, no, he's a real Tottenham boy. He's he's one of their own, which they chant actually. He's one of our own or whatever. And you know, he says I could see you know Cole Walker, different different type of player. You can get. I can see he's get his his head was turned. Deli Ali, I can see his head get turned. He referenced another player whose name escapes me. Yeah, their head get turned. Was Danny, Danny Rose, I think it was right. Danny Rose, that was it. Danny Rose. <laughs> What did Danny Rose, Kyle Walker, and Deli Ali have in common? That would make that would make someone maybe think that they might be more disloyal to the club, or you know, might be more motivated by money, or you know, yeah. So yeah, it was just kind of uh, yeah. But when, like it's when Harry Kane inevitably goes to Real Madrid or fucking Man United this fucking this summer, like. Is it like I could be wrong here, but I think wasn't Harry Kane an Arsenal youth? Um, well, he was a support. He might have been a youth player. He was. Just, I think he was an art supporter, and he was a, easy, a youth player, maybe as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, but also, um, 
I actually did some research on Harry Redknapp. He does actually have previous on his. It wasn't this week. Wasn't the only time he said that like he can see Harry Kane um, staying loyal to, in inverted commas to Tottenham. He's compared him on Talksport for to Steven Gerrard and being a one club man for his entire career. Um, which you have to say, it's like it's such an outdated uh, it's an outdated concept it has no ration it has no economic it has no value for a rational economic actor um yeah it's it's just uh, i don't know it's like have we have we done the whole what the fuck are is the point of having quote unquote football men tell us about the sport when they all they have all they have is ingrained thinking rather than kind of rational analysis yeah well, it's, it, the thing about, I think, football analysis is that we have, like, British, probably Irish, uh, Irish analysts. Uh, none, none of them have managed a big club in the last 20 years. So they, they're just talking, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't, they don't, none, none, none of the big four clubs, apart from Brendan Rodgers, has been managed pretty much by any uh, British or Irish manager God knows how long so like their their insight is limited yeah. about how, how, how at that level operate I know Harry managed Tottenham not that long ago and Tottenham are a big club now but Tottenham aren't as nowhere near as big as a club now as they are then where they were then but uh, uh, yeah so it's just it's, it's ridiculous but um, yeah it's just <laughs> it, it it was yeah. Just, what can you say? What can you say? But it's it's it's. it's Bar, I think it was Barry Roney wrote a really good article a couple of months ago about just the, the disgraceful treatment that Raheem Sterling gets in the British in the in the press. And it, obviously, it wasn't nowhere near as bad as what Raheem Sterling gets. But it was just that kind of same ingrained belief of you know these boys they have their heads turned by agents. They probably don't like it up when they're playing. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, rugby coverage this week, Jeff, not immune from such stereotypes. Neil Francis's piece on Teddy Thomas in the Sunday Independent was frankly unbelievable. That under the headline, how can you trust a man who wears a bun in his hair to defend your line? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was a bit disappointed by the kind of knowledgeable rugby Twitters out there there's a few good fellas like you know they break stuff down and they realise Fran was a fucking clown and all that kind of stuff but they were all like oh it's so stupid he's talking about his hair and you're like hold on a second now actually 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 read it like actually actually read the article the article is just full of dog whistle terms and expressions and just lazy stereotypes about players of colour uh, it's borderline disgraceful I thought there was I think I said to you on Twitter or on WhatsApp, there was five references to name players either being defensively suspect or having caused, or having made major errors during games. Yeah. Two, three were black. One was Simon Zebo, one was Teddy Tama, and the other was Verimi Vakatawa. Um, yeah, Vakatawa, and the and the two white, and that was it. They were just said there were stupid things they'd done or whatever. And then the two white guys were, were Larmore and Levy and they were given like a boy he says about oh this is about Levy getting done in the Italian match it was Tom- 
go was Tommaso Castello too quick for Levy midfield or had the Leinster flanker moment, momentarily switched off did Jordan Larmour give Matteo Minozzi too much space on the outside in fairness the Italian fullbacks footwork was very nifty Larmour wasn't the only one caught out by his impressive pace so he's given the two white boys a boy and he's absolutely <laughs> hammering the black fellas and he's hammered into Teddy Toma yeah. and the worst, the worst thing he says in the fucking whole thing is when he's talking about Ireland against Wales and how how like how play, uh, coaches like Andy Farrell and Gustard and Sean Edwards would, wouldn't go near a player like Toma or whatever and then he says bloody bloody blah uh, he's talking about the Wales Ireland match oh, this one is down to who is the smarter defensively and which team has a player who will be caught out defensively there are no Teddy Thomas types playing on Saturday oh oh it's it's all what, what is the Teddy Thomas type I wonder well you've set it up pretty much as just the black guy that's what you've set it up as uh, their frano so if you, because you've said Dan Levy is the Teddy Thomas type and you've said Jordan Larmour is isn't either but you pretty much said Zebo and Bakatawar uh, I'm gonna that's like that's the way I read it as well but I'm going to try and prove that it's based on bias as well um, by disproving things that he says in the in the article he says Thomas is clueless defensively and while he has scored eight tries in his ten test appearances he has probably been responsible for conceding more than that so this sentence in microcosm, you have a fact, eight tries in 10 test appearances. But then after that, you just have a, like a statement, an unresearched take essentially, but has probably been responsible for conceding more than that. Thomas has lost nearly all the games he has played for France. Well, he hasn't. Uh, he's played 10, won four, lost five and drawn one. Um, so lost five is 50%. It's not, it's not nearly all. And would yeah. we, one of those losses is that game against Ireland. Would we put the game, the loss to to Ireland on, on Teddy Thomas's doorstep? His, his, yeah. eight, his eight international tries have come against Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, and Scotland, and and he scored a hat trick against Fiji. I think it took me a sum total of two minutes to find all this out. That yeah. like, yeah. who who is his sub editor? Who's his who's his fucking fact checker? Like. It's yeah, it's dog whistle as you say. Yeah, yeah. It's just like oh, this is, oh, this is two black lads playing on the wing. Let's just hoof it up in the air. They don't like that. Let's get them turned. Let's kick it in behind them. Let's target them. Just come on, like fuck's sake. And Teddy Chumaya scored like three tries in in the first two rounds of the Six Nations. He's got to be in the mix for player of the tournament. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I just. <laughs> That's obviously before he got kicked off the squad because he was being interviewed by the police about a, a, a the police were investigating a potential sexual assault in Edinburgh on Sunday night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he, here's something. Here's something that I just that just jumped out at me now. Looking at, at this article again. So he's talking about Ireland making Ireland making um, defensive mistakes.
Friday. I, I, I said to you on said to you on WhatsApp if if someone had written this about Cam Newton in I don't know the fucking in the uh, Charlotte Observer. In the Charlotte Observer. <laughs> If someone had written this about fucking Cam Newton, the Charlotte Observer, or about Raheem Sterling in the Daily Mail, they'd, as I said, they'd be given like they'd be given administrative leave. It'd be right next. It would appear on the Stop Funding Hate Facebook page, and they'd be like, <laughs> "Why are you sponsor? Why are you? Why John Lewis are you advertising next to this hate piece about Raheem it's Sterling?" Basically, just PFT commenter levels of uh, <laughs> of rugby <of> coverage. <laughs> um. And it, I have to reiterate it because it's long been a sports beef mantra that wingers on an international rugby team are again potentially the least impactful players on an overall result. Um, yeah. Like, where's Frano's piece on Johnny May and like what a horrendous footballer he is? Uh, <laughs> in terms of Six Nations wingers, if I was like, if I was commissioned to write a piss take piece on one of them, like yeah. Teddy Tama would not be in my top ten, I'd say. So, like, not even. He talks about the Troy, Teddy Thomas, Troy, in fairness, at the start, how good it was, you know, backs himself and all the rest of it. But, like, where was Jacob Stockdale when that when that Troy was scored? Like, he, <laughs> he, was, he was moving across the pitch like a, a second row with a, with, a, with a dodgy hammy. I just need to scribble down that I need to uh, write piss-take pieces on Johnny May, Sean Maitland, and um, uh, Fergus McFadden, obviously. They're... <laughs> Jeff, you just brought to my attention the piece that um, Off the Ball AM did on Chris Clute. I think it was this morning, was it? Um, yeah. Where they seem to be trying to infer something, but not quite being quite obvi- as obvious as we might be, or we have been on Clute in the past. Um, but again, we would direct everybody to Chris Clute's Instagram feed and just uh, what an absolute disgrace that it is. <laughs> Can we, can we just say, can we just make two statements of fact? I think it's a reasonable statement of fact for us to say that Chris Clute is an extremely muscly young man. Yep. Okay. And can we also say it's a statement of fact that he was a club mate of Gert Grobler when he, Gert Grobler, was suspended for two years for performance science drug use? I would also add. Six Nations. We got to talk. We got. We're 
We're back in the saddle this weekend. After two rounds, Ireland sit top of the table, ahead of England by two points on differential. Thoughts on the tournament so far, Jeff? You enjoying it? Thoughts? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, Scotland, Scotland, France game is quite good. Last week, or the last last round, um, I'm enjoying it. I just think, I think um, we'll probably get onto it later. But I think this is just do or die. This game for Ireland is this is a huge game. Um, I don't feel I don't feel too confident to be honest. Yeah, we're start. Well, why don't we start in uh, on Friday night because we've got a Friday night game in the Stade Velodrome in Marseille. Uh, Benjamin Fall starts on the wing for France, Jeff. So Neil Francis's piece basically writes itself <laughs> for this Sunday. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm waiting for the article where if Benjamin Fall makes a mistake, he's just like, "Oh, Teddy Thomas is at it again." <laughs> oh God! Um, it, uh, Italy are plus seventeen handicap on this game. You've got a French squad that two weeks ago, I think it was like seven or eight players were kicked off the squad because of this incident that occurred on Sunday night in Edinburgh. It de- it delayed the plane's departure on the next day, on the Monday, by a couple of hours. Jack Brunel was like, get the fuck off. This- I don't care if the police don't think there's a case to answer. You're off the squad. Um, Italy at plus 17. I'm just, I'm just saying, hmm. Hmm. Friday night game. It's definitely a it's definitely a chin stroker. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Um just as of that, I think there was a couple of French players with um unusual injuries as well, wasn't there? There was a few cut noses and that kind of stuff as well. A few lads uh, fell out of the bed or something. <laughs> um yeah, I mean like France are cat and they're dropping their best player. Teddy we'll talk about him again a few others as well yeah it's, bit, it's definitely definitely worth a little uh, worth a little look there I think Box East is back at 10 as well what the fuck is that about oh like? <laughs> he did something absolutely ridiculous in the Scotland game but I can't remember what it was I think I think that image of him just trying to volley clearance from scrum half pass off the back of scrum is just so embedded in my mind that I just imagine him doing that all the time yeah one thing I have to agree with Frano on though was the uh, Matteo Minazzi the Italian fullback is is one to watch he's uh, an absolute live wire absolute, uh, great value for his try in, in Dublin yeah absolutely yeah and uh, should be you know this is it's unusual playing the Stad Velodrome I know it's going to be in the heartland of French rugby, more or less, well, closer to it than Paris is, but you should, there should be a heap of Italians at it as well. So I'm just looking forward to it as a spectacle, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, so Saturday, then 2.15, Jeff, in the Aviva Stadium, Ireland v. Wales. Ireland, like, the, the handicap's all over the place in this. It opened, I think, at minus 11 or minus 10.5. It's been coming in ever since all week. It's down to minus 8 now. Uh, I think that's still soft, um, and even Wales plus eight at evens is like free money. Yeah, I, I, yeah, mm, I'd agree. I, I'd I, agree. I'd agree. I would agree. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I see Wales 
excited in this game. I was just all I could see was looking at that Ireland squad. I was looking at the bench. I was like, that bench blows. Absolutely sucks. Like Quinn Root, McFadden. Like I'm going back. I'm 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 going back on years of of hyping them up. But Joey Carberry, like, is he the man to come on and do it against Wales? I don't know. I don't know. I want the people's champion in Kingley in there. <laughs> as I said, I think. As I said, I think. I don't know. Could be just Gatlin getting into my head. Uh, Wales are definitely in my head as well. Like they've, like the narrative around Wales was that they were in the midst of an injury crisis. There was question marks of whether the the kind of green shoots of the style from November was going to translate through to like the more conservative Six Nations. They're coming off a thumping victory against Scotland. And like they have the moral victory against England. Yeah. Oh, it's like the tour. They seem better. Like even though we're two for two, like their momentum, they seem better placed enough. They've like the most turnovers in the tournament. They've line breaks for fun. They're attacking out in the wide channels. The forward yeah. forwards are like there's some of the interplay between the front five forwards in the Scotland game. Um, yeah. Was frightening, frankly. Yeah, I know. I just, I just have this image in my head of a doctor walking Johnny Sexton off with his hand around his hips. Oh, Christ. And 20, 20 min, 25 minutes in with Sexton pulling the strap off his wrist, just shaking his head and throwing it on the ground. I just see that. I see that and it's just like, oh no, no. Like, you beat Wales with the Joey Carberry, Boniaki, Chris Barrow. Chris Barrow, I think, is a, was a great shout to play second centre. I don't think anyone else could have, was ever going to do it or should do it. Like, that was a good call in my book, but... I don't know, like we're just, just Ireland look a bit, a bit blunt, you know, they got tries against Italy, but they were just woke <laughs> Italian dependent then, blind sides and stuff like that. I don't think you're going to get away, you don't want to get that against Wales. Um, as Andy was saying on WhatsApp, Wales aren't giving away many penalties. Ireland aren't scoring many tries against decent teams or even bad teams like France. So, yeah, um, the, the um, stat on penalty. Uh, concession from the from the last round was that uh, Wales gave away two penalties in the entire game to to England, and um, France gave away seven in the final twenty minutes. I think against uh, against Scotland, and lost yeah. by si- lost by six points. So it's it's kind of it is a telling stat. The blunt attack, like yeah, when you just compare the like the the. Um, the Ireland defence and the Ireland attack. It's uh, I don't think we're measuring up well on, on either stake. We we cut Italy to shreds, fair, fair play. Uh, couldn't break down France. Admittedly, the weather wasn't great, so may, so maybe that's a mitigant slightly. But Scotland, Scotland ripped through France kind of almost at will. Um, and then the defence, as long like we've been talking about the narrowness of the Irish defence since the World Cup in 2015. That's that's. You know, nearly that's two and a half years ago, and we're still vulnerable outside of thirteen. Uh, and you know, that's that's just a huge concern. And if if there's been no indication that we can fix it in two and a half years, then you've got to think we're going to get fucking roasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, like. We're, even in the attack we're fairly predictable I mean Italy are no great shakes but you know when you're running those loops and even those moves that sex 
runs really well and inside balls and stuff like that that were really successful in, um, in November but when you're playing Northern Hemisphere teams that know you inside out I don't know if you get away you're not going to you're not going to have such big big like power plays it's going to be as, as successful we got uh, we got to retire the loop surely like is it time is it time to retire the loop it's time to, and you can see the loop coming a mile away because here's a tell if you're watching just the body shape of the person giving the pass so sexy gives the pass he doesn't he doesn't zip he doesn't zip uh, a uh, he doesn't zip a kind of spin pass because his body shape is not is is, is facing is not facing the try line it's parallel to it so he gives an end over end pass first receiver who is always shaped up to give it back to him and it's just you can just see it coming a mile away you can just see it coming a mile away and they might have they'll have variations on it they'll have someone running through or they'll dummy the, the speed back to Sexton or whatever but I but, just don't see it but that's the thing I don't think they do enough of is like you've got to make you can keep doing it as long as the read options are such that they make the defender think twice like they're like make the defender make a second read so it's like oh shit that's a loop I can see it coming and instead of biting all the way in and shutting it down they see they're showing something else that makes them go oh maybe I've got to protect against this kind of pop off off the second receiver or whatever it's like but I don't that's what I don't think we 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 have enough of yeah I think Starcy was saying in the paper there and I agree with as well I think it's a good Something I've been saying for a long time, but is <laughs> is running is is running a kick pass off a loop. So if you run a loop and then the winger bites, then there's a heap of space in behind that winger. Yeah, yeah. And you can just go to a kick pass, which kick pass obviously works really well for us so far in this Six Nations. So we'll see anyway. We'll see what happens. But um, this is like if we win this three 0 I'd be just delighted. I, I think it's the only way we're gonna, we can win is if it's a real arm wrestle and we're like. Kicking the letter off the line. Fuck it, I can't even say it. Like, it's just... Oh. Interestingly, I didn't take much uh, joy from Darcy's piece because he was big enough. Chris Farrell, that's the one that really got the demons going in my head to say... The, like, a two-cap or a three-cap wonder can't be the can't be the answer in this in this equation. It just doesn't make sense. Chris Farrell's only 24. I thought he was, like, 29 or something because he looks pretty old and... There's always been this talk about this guy who played in France or Montpellier or whatever. So I just thought I thought he was a lot older than he was. Yeah. Then at four forty-five p.m., uh, we're in Murrayfield, Scotland against England. Great lineup on Saturday, actually. Um, yeah. Scotland plus seven, England minus seven at the at the bookies. Uh, is this open and shut, Jeff? Like, there's another. Uh, inexperienced player in at the tight head for Scotland Simon Bergan who uh, has the name and the sound of a man who's no business being in the Calcutta Cup but um, there there we have it mm. I, I, not going to lie I haven't seen that much of England so because I'm just the first week it was like a rather in, in <sighs> I was just going to say, you'd rather, you'd rather inhale paint fumes than uh, than watch England. Uh... Yeah, which is pretty. 
Uh, Nathan Hughes is in at eight for England. George Force stays at ten. So maybe I should start directly tweeting Eddie Jones to say that he's fucking high by persisting with George Ford. But um, let's hope he doesn't get woke to that before before March seventeenth. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, that's uh, I think that's all we got time for on this week's show. Don't forget to join the conversation on Twitter at Sports Beef Pod. Uh, you actually have cause to check out the website now, sportsbeef.net. There's more content up there. Um, yeah, Instagram, Sports Beef Pod. Anything you want to plug, Jeff? Oh, yeah, there is actually. Um, we should we're probably, we should, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, retweet it, but um, there's a very good video on YouTube called Murder Sacker Emptiness. So it's a version of Manish Peter's song. Motorcycle emptiness, but every lyric is the name of a German footballer. Uh, six minutes, seven seconds long, and it's worth every second of it. You are fucking high if you don't think I have that lined up as the outro music for <laughs> for this week's episode of Sports Beef. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that YouTube video is actually credited to a guy called Simon Price, who's the biographer for the Manic Street Preachers. Um, mm-hmm. Quite what possessed. I think the person who hasn't attacked you on Twitter. <laughs> 24 hours <laughs> um, yeah quite what possessed him to, to do it is uh, is a mystery but we're thankful that he did <laughs> we, are, we certainly are <laughs> okay take it easy everybody thanks for listening we'll speak to you all soon see ya Oh, we're beefing next Tuesday. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't forget. We've got to do the post, uh, post-Welsh post defeat beef. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it doesn't mean I'll be any less sick when they lose. <laughs> oh, big time.
Could I? 